Mr. Falwell, good morning. Good morning to you. I appreciate your time this morning. Uh, tell us, why are you running for governor? Well, the reason I'm running for governor is that uh, my reputation as a public servant is to save lives, minds, and money. And I've done that as a uh, member of the legislature, as the Assistant Secretary of Commerce, responsible for retiring nearly $2.7 billion of unemployment debt after the great financial crisis and as the, and as the state treasurer. And the governor is the CEO of the largest business in the state. And I think what's really afflicting our society right now is that people have lost the meaning of words. Uh, the root word of conservative is to conserve. It's a verb. The root word of liberal is to liberate, to set economically free. And the root word of governor is to govern. And as the CEO of the biggest business in the state, there's still so much to do at DMV and DOT. You said... Board, board, of, ele- board of Elections, DHHS, and uh, to listen, act, and fix, and fix those things that directly impact your listeners. You mentioned the word govern, and you said you would do that as governor if you're elected, what is to govern. How would you go about governing and making those changes that you just talked about? Well, number one is to return, uh, as the leader of the Republican Party, to return the Republican Party to the party that I joined nearly 50 years ago. And that's a party based on conservatism, which means to save. Now, I don't know if it's you or your sidekick, but, you know, you may turn your spigot down when you brush your teeth or you may cut your toothpaste tube in half when it's nearly empty to get that last little drop out. Every one of your listeners, no matter how they feel about a particular topic, is conservative in some way. So a culture of conservatism, common sense, which is not so common, courtesy, which means to be able to answer your phone at state government. Nobody calls the state government to book a cruise. They call because they have an issue they need help with. And these last three things I think are very important to your listeners, especially in today's environment. Humanity, humility, which means you are transparent and you own your mistakes, and ethics. And ethics is not only what you do when no one's watching, it's what you do when the powerful forces try to get you to look the other way. And that's the Republican Party that I joined nearly 50 years ago, and I think that's what people are thirsty for right now. Are you saying that the Republican Party has changed and the Republican Party is not conservative anymore? What I'm saying is that we have a lot of counterfeit conservatives, uh, people who put the mirror out toward the voters when they want the voters to hire them. And then when they get to Raleigh and Washington, uh, they do something exactly opposite. And it's the reason, mathematically, it's the reason why the majority of people in this state do not have a name on the back of their jersey. The majority of voters in this state are unaffiliated because they can't tell you what these parties stand for. And I'm going to return the Republican Party to conservatism, common sense, courtesy, humanity, humility, and, and ethics. And it's, it's, it's needed because, as I said eight years ago when I was elected state treasurer of North Carolina, that the, whoever the state treasurer was was going to make a generational difference in the future of our state. And I'm saying this about the next governor. The next governor, in addition to all the important responsibilities of running state government, is going to have to understand how to protect our way of life, our livelihood, and our business climate from Washington, D.C.'s ineptness and inability to either protect our borders or curb their addiction for debt 
which is driving up the cost of everything for North Carolinians. Visiting with State Treasurer Del Falwa, who's seeking the Republican nomination for governor, uh, you mentioned, and I'm using your phrase here, Treasurer, counterfeit conservatives. Would you say that your opponents in this primary are not conservative? What I would say is that the presumptive front runner in this race, Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson, uh, doesn't care for women and say they talk too much and shouldn't be in positions of leadership, that he has denied the Holocaust, that he has uh, said things about any advantages or benefits that have come from the civil rights movement, has said publicly that asked if you beat the bird dog hell out of your wife at the mall, is that still considered domestic violence? These are just things he said in his book or on YouTube or actually in Facebook quotes. He wants to be the latest example of somebody who rises to power by spewing hate. The Republican Party is about hope, not hate. He wants to be the latest to rise to power based on rage. The Republican Party is courage, which actually has the word rage in it. But as my wife, Cynthia, reminds me, the C-O-U-R means from the heart. It's not enough just to say that there's a problem. Eventually, somebody has to fix it. And then lastly, no one would hire someone who never shows up for their job. He missed nearly 90% of the sessions last year as the presider of the Senate, 90 and he refuses to show up for a job interview for to be the next governor in you, terms of the debates or any other kinds of forums to answer the tough questions about the gaps between his personal life, his campaign finance life, and his public service life and his AWOLness. How do you get him to engage in a debate, Mr. Treasurer? Well, he's not going to engage in a debate because uh, these – People are now picked by their consultants. The consultants are picking the people who elect, who are put in front of the voters. And the only only thing that I'm very concerned about is the fact that I know who I am. I know who I love. I know who I belong to. And, you know, I can't make him show up for anywhere. But I think it's kind of nauseating to your listeners this morning that You'll never see him unless he is a company. He has a he has a, a highway patrol detail assigned to him by uh, four people. We have shortages in the highway patrol right now. He's always traveling around in a state suburban with um, state gasoline. So, my point of saying that to you is that people need to get serious about their vote in the primary in March, and they need to vote for someone that you're not going to have buyer's remorse on 30 days after they cast their vote. Mr. Falwell, would you consider a debate against Bill Graham regardless of whether Robinson agrees to participate? Chris, great question. Two days ago, WRAL canceled the debate because neither one of them would show up. Spectrum TV is canceling their debate because neither one of them would show up. CBS didn't even try because they knew neither one of them would show up. And I'm saying all this to you because there will be a debate on February 5th in Charlotte. And you're not going to believe this, Chris. The only people who would show up is the Libertarian candidate, Supreme, former Supreme Court Justice Mike Morgan, a Democrat running for governor, and myself. I don't know of anybody at Curtis Media or any of your listeners who have ever gotten, kept a job, 
when they didn't show up for it or expect to get a promotion if they would not come to the job interview. So, Chris, my direct answer to your question is anytime, any place, anywhere between 5 a.m. and 11 p.m. Uh, Mr. Falwell, you said in a campaign video you wanted to fix the problems in North Carolina. What do you see as the biggest problems in our state? Well, lots of different problems, but number one is the lack of transparency in state government, uh, number one. Number two is that uh, we need to have a culture of customer service, which we created at the Division of Employment Security, where we went from the 52nd. You know, when you're scored 52nd among the states, doesn't that send a question mark through your mind? How could you be 52nd in anything? And that is because we were, excuse my French, we sucked. We were even behind Guam and Puerto Rico. We were paying unemployment money to people who didn't deserve it, and we couldn't get the money to people who did. So a culture of answering the telephones and a culture focused on customer service because whether it's your advertisers or, cu- or curse media, if you can't answer your phone, you don't know what the problem is. You don't know what the problem is, you can't solve the problem. And the chances of anybody actually gets their phone answered and gets to someone in state government who can help them, chances are there may be dozens, hundreds, of even thousands of people who are suffering the same thing. So that's the culture that we will create, and that's the culture that needs to be at DMV, DOT, Board of Election, DHHS, and all these other important functions that report directly to the governor. And that's what I've done. That's in what I will do as the next governor of North Carolina. Do you believe medical costs in North Carolina are one of the bigger issues of your campaign? Yes. Uh, I call them the cartel. And when I started taking classes at Winston-Salem State and UNCG, I stuttered more than I do currently. And my professor at UN at Winston-Salem State said, if I spoke the way you did, I think I would go to the Webster's Dictionary to find out what the definition of words are that might help you. Cartel is defined in your Webster's Dictionary as association which is formed to restrict competition and or raise prices. We have, especially over the last seven years, seen the cartelization of healthcare in this state, which has resulted, according to national reports, in the highest cost and the lowest quality and the lowest access. As the governor, I'm going to continue to push, as I have as the keeper of the public purse, as state treasurer, for higher quality, higher access, and lower cost. And I want to be really clear with your listeners. We're not talking about the people who actually do the work of health care. We're talking about these multi-million dollar executives who run these multi-billion dollar corporations who disguise themselves as nonprofits. That's who we're talking about, not the health care worker who actually does the work. And I digressed a moment ago because you said about fixing state government. If we go down to the people who actually do the work in state government, you would be amazed at how powerful their suggestions are, but no one's ever listened to them. And that's another culture that we will create as the next governor. Uh, Mr. Falwell, uh, weight loss drugs no longer going to be part of state health plans. I'm curious how you came to that decision and uh, what you would say to those who say those weight loss drugs are very effective for their weight loss journey. Well, let me just say, Chris, that's uh, obesity is a very serious problem. Uh, but And the board did not want to do what it did. Uh, but they were forced to. Why were they forced we tried, to? Well, because the gouging 
of the state health plan and the state employees on the, this one drug had the potential of costing us $170 million this year. The state health plan was already in danger of losing uh, tens of millions of dollars because of rising health care costs and rising prescription drug costs. And I want to be clear, I'm not questioning whether these weight loss drugs work. I'm questioning who is prescribing them and for what purposes. And every single suggestion that we've given to the, our pharmacy benefit manager or the drug company since October, they said, if you do this, you'll lose your rebate. If you do that, you'll lose your rebate. If you do that, you'll lose your rebate. So we are not going to be bullied on this topic. And we're constantly trying to figure out, get it right, figure out what's right, get it right, and keep it right regarding these weight loss drugs. And what I've simply asked for is this. This drug is costing, uh, before rebates, uh, upwards of $1,400 a month. That's $170 million a year for 22,000 people. That is the same amount of money that the General Assembly appropriated last year for a 4% bonus for a quarter of a million retirees to kind of put this in context. And what we're asking for is for Nova Nordis or Lilly or whoever else manufactures these drugs to sell this to us for the same price they sell it to their own citizens in Denmark for, which is $250. That's what we're trying to get at. We're trying to get at lower cost. And this is a very serious issue. And it's not just with this drug. It's with many specialty drugs because the price of specialty drugs has gone up 20%. Have you gotten a response from those companies? Well, yes. They sent out a press release that said that I was uh, irresponsible. I wasn't irresponsible when, as the chair of the local government commission, I've been working with the town of Clayton to provide them hundreds of millions of dollars worth of water treatment plant bonds so that they could expand their plant. This is not about us not appreciating them as a corporate citizen or as a taxpayer. This is about what we're doing to actually solve the problem of lowering the cost or for this particular drug. And I can tell you, when I talked earlier about the culture we're going to create, the culture of ethics, ethics is not only do what you do when no one's watching, it's what you do when the powerful forces of this society want you to look the other way, mainly to the detriment of the, of the average citizen. Where can people go to learn more about your campaign, Mr. Falwell? Well, thank you. Uh, for all these official duties, they can go to nctreasurer.com, but uh, for campaign, uh, they can go to www.dalefalwell, that's Falwell with an O, uh, .com. And when they go there and they look at us, I hope they'll go to About Dale and they'll read a letter that my wife wrote about what it's been like to live with me for 35 years. I think you might find that interesting. Um, and I also think that when they go to this website, they'll see a pattern of attacking problems and not attacking people. The reason I've received more votes in the last two presidential elections than Donald Trump is that I govern and can actually explain conservatism without offending people. And as people get serious, your listeners get serious about casting their vote, the unaffiliated and the Republicans will be able to vote for me in the March primary. They only have to ask themselves one basic question. Who would they give their car keys to for four years? The car keys to the state of North Carolina to fix all these important divisions. 
that the governor has responsibility for, who would they give their car keys to for four years and come back and expect that car to be in better working condition? That's why I'm asking for their prayers. That's why I'm asking for their financial support. That's why I'm asking for their vote. State Treasurer Del Falwell, who's seeking the Republican nomination for governor. Mr. Falwell, thank you so much for your time. and look forward to chatting again soon. Thank you, and have a blessed day. And I'd like to be a sidekick sometime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got it. Thanks so much for the time this morning. Thank you. 